1: Today, we begin our last installment in our series, Divine Conditions for Revival. We're looking at steps to renewal next, here on Truth For Today. Join us. Too often, the pattern is so predictable fall into sin, turn away from God, judged by God, repent, God blesses us more than we could ever imagine, and repeat. (laughs) That is what we're trying to avoid with our series, Divine Conditions for Revival. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard has one final look at our series with a message simply entitled, Divine Steps to Renewal. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Look at what he says. Come near to God and he will come near to you. How do you come near to God? How do you come near omnipresence? This is a relational word. It's come near God relationally. Um, It's the idea of you want his fellowship. So you make the effort. To reach out to him. You know what your effort might be? Help. (laughs) Help. I want you. I love what Tozer used to pray. I desire to desire you. I want to want you. That's the best I can do. But hear me. I've got a desire to desire you. I know I'm bankrupt without you. And God said, oh, you really mean that? I really mean it, Lord. Okay, you got my help. It's not all real hard. Draw nigh. Why is he telling them to draw nigh? Well, guess what? Distance had come between them. And the old line we used to grow up with is, if you don't feel near God anymore, guess who moved? Who moved? Uh, Not him. He's been right there all the time. Can't you hear this language? It's kind of the language of the adulteress. Oh, I don't feel close to my husband. No, you haven't while well, you've been with the other guy. Why don't you draw nigh to the one you married? You're never going to fix a marriage seeing the third party. And he's telling them, you've been sleeping with the world. You've been sleeping with them. And he gave a word there that I forgot to say. Friendship of the world is hatred toward God. You've chose to be a friend of the world, and you've made yourself my enemy. And the world here is an organized system full of pleasure, philosophies, pursuit. The world system is the glove that Satan uses to capture our strong desires. And he's got an array of things on the menu. He just wants your attention off of God. Worldliness is not dress. Worldliness is not movies. It's a much bigger concept. It is this alluring of the bride's attention for something that hates God, something where God is not found. And God said, if you choose that, you're putting yourself in bed with another rival and you Make yourself at enmity with me. Now he's telling them if you really want me, come back to me. Draw nigh. Start turning your back on this rival that's made you and I lose fellowship. Turn your back on its pursuits, its philosophy, its pleasures, where I'm not wanted. It's a word none of us like, especially a crowd that doesn't even know what worldly means. It's the word. Be holy as I'm holy. Come to love what I love. Come to pursue what I pursue. Come to find your pleasure in me. And I love what Piper says. He said, I'm a Christian hedonist because I have found out the only way I could have all the joy I was meant to have in life can only be found by plunging into the God of joy. I can't find joy apart from God. Everything's artificial, that crashes, that doesn't last. I will pursue him and his great line is until you are satisfied with all that God is for us in Jesus. You are not having the pleasure God made you for. You want pleasure? You pour yourself into God and his word and his spirit. There are more pleasures as his right hand than you can find in anything in this world. He wants his people happy. He wants his people to overbound the, and flowing in love. And where do you get it? I need a little of the world. No, you need more of God. Because in God, there's a pleasure that is lasting. I know some Christians here, been Christians uh, over 60 years, and can't get enough of Jesus. I love it in my own wife. She's always telling me, you think I don't preach the Bible. You don't know, care what tells her all that, preach the Bible. I mean, honey, I do. Preach the Bible. Preach Christ. Preach the word. I said, well, honey, I do. I'm telling you to keep doing. It. I can't get enough of him. I get tired of your stories, but I don't get tired of him. When I had this back surgery, it was so bad, I wanted to leave this place. I'd follow us through the ministry. She said, God's either put you here or he hasn't. And if he's put you here, kid, he's sustained you. When has he not sustained you? If you'll preach Christ, if you'll preach his word, if you'll promote the Holy Spirit's work among his people, if you'll be non-cocky and be dependent as you were as a teenage kid that couldn't talk, he will flood you with more of his presence and power. Quit worrying. Keep doing what he called you to do as a boy just keep doing it. There's more pleasures in God. You got to get over the fact that serving God is morbid. It's the most exciting thing you could ever do with your life. It's the most exciting thing. Pleasures, no abandonment, a loyal love. Answer your prayers as we are this morning. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, I'm telling you, you you just haven't gotten caught up in his presence lately. You know, just get you a place to get along with him Where you can yell, scream, cry Do whatever you. Oh, this God, don't tell me This God can't provide more pleasure Than the artificial stimulant Of Satan in this world He gives up peace Beyond anything else I'll tell you, that woman at the well She tried a lot of guys And she's still thirsty She's thirsty for a relationship Jesus said, you need look no further you, come, you came here looking for a little drink, and nobody in town wants to be caught dead with you. But there's a man here, and I put you in my itinerary. I told these men, I must go through Samaria. You know why? There's a woman down there. I want her to taste of God and how wonderful he is, and it's going to quench her thirst. And I'll tell you, she brought the whole town out to meet a man. Like a, I can imagine if she told the neighbor, I met a man. They said, that's been your problem. You've been meeting too many men. You've been me lie. No, no, I, I met one different than the others. Oh, what is this? This guy's a rabbi. Oh, no, don't tell me you sleep in the local rabbi. No, this guy gives a drink that satisfies you ultimately. You know what God told uh, Israel in Jeremiah 2? He said, my people have committed two sins. Here's our two greatest sins. One, they forsook me, the source of quenching living water. But you know what? To get you to quit God, this world will always offer you something as a little, you know, when you want to quit smoking, they say, eat a lot of carrots. Replace your activity. Become bugs. Celery. You got to eat something, you know. So I'm quitting the cigarettes and I'm going to eat this food. And Jeremiah goes on and says, And in place of the living fountain, you have hewn out cisterns cisterns of your own making that hold no water and the cisterns of the ancient near east were little uh clay things they developed on the roofs of their houses they would make a little uh, uh a sunken place in the roof if they could and they they would catch rain water and whatever moisture they could get the only thing about it is the clay that they used in the sun was always cracking always breaking, so the cisterns can hold no water. And they just run out, and they're always thirsty. he said, Israel, you forsook me, this abundant fountain of an undiminished supply, and you're over here digging out your own little sisters to meet your needs. You insult me. You insult me when you say, I'm not enough to fill a heart. Do you think there's enough in God to fill every corner of your heart? He can fill you so much that you thirst for nothing else because he thoroughly quenches. And he says, you've chose the world, so you've got to come back, submit, resist the devil, come back to my arms. And by the way, you're kind of like gomer was in hosea three you're dirty because you've been sleeping with the world and to come back to my arms you need to get cleaned up again we're going to have a reunion and i want you to wash up and he uses a ceremonial language wash your hands but he really was pointing to the condition of the heart wash your hand you sinners you've been terrible sinners strong language Purify your hearts, you double minded. How have they been double minded? They've been sleeping with the world and claiming to know God. Sleeping with the world, claim to know God. Uh, I think it's one of the toughest things when you become a Christian as a young person is uh usually I, I don't this may change, but usually a young person has to break the associations they have been running with. That was the hardest thing for me. I backslid over it because I didn't think I could break with all these guys I ran with at school. But they were the ones that always got me into sin, and so I couldn't pursue God uh, and run with them because I always caved in. So finally, I uh, I broke with them and became quite lonely. Quite frankly, I I I just did. I wasn't the man on campus anymore. I didn't. Nobody wanted to run with me because I, didn't, I was trying to break from all the things they got pleasure out of. So you pay a price, but ultimately, God said, I'll give you houses and lands, brothers and sisters. Everything you give up for me, I'll give it back to you many times over. And we got to tell our young people that. It won't be all give up. There'll be a time of replenishment, of genuine friends, and genuine blessing. So let's get clean. Let's confess our sin, we would say. Let's, let's uh, deal with our heart. And then he goes into the language of mourning that the Jews knew about. Take your problems serious. Grieve. Uh, mourn and wail. Now the Jews knew what he was saying. You may not get that. This may be seem too graphic. Because they repented in sackcloth and asses. This is serious, he's telling them. I want you to emotionally get involved of the horrendous state you've fallen in by going to the world, becoming a fighting church, pleasure-loving, proud. You're in bad way. You need to pour everything about you, get right with God, get clean before God, and wail this condition. Mourn. Uh, how could I have left such a God? How could I have treated him so bad? And then he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And that's just what he said in verse 6. Now, he gives a little excursus here in 11 and 12 that it is an amazing thing when you're bad off with God, how much you can't stand your brothers. A wrong adjustment to the Father will always make you fight with his kids. Christians are not perfect people. Uh, We're just people. Uh, The love of God in our heart makes us forbear, uh, forgive, a lot of things. But when sin is working in a church, intolerance for each other just grows. And what we replace love with is a judgmental spirit. We got everybody figured out. You see, when you're right with God, you're too busy trying to figure you out. Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you doing right? You know, you're in the mirror of God's word and he just keeps showing you, you need to wash yourself. You need to work on you. But when I get away from God, I notice my cynicism and my criticism increases as I get away from him. But when I get towards him, he replenishes the love in me that's able to overlook or work with that one with the fault because I've just went to God about the same fault. (laughs) And God's been helping me deal with it. So you have some sympathy, understanding. But when you're not right with God, I'm telling you, this fighting's easy. Watch what he said. Brothers, do not slander one another. The word slander is devil. Don't do the devil's work. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, please know, we know what is sin. We can know that by the word of God. This is an idea of being... um, judging maybe their liberty, judging their motives. Uh, I mean, this is undue, critical spirit of them. That's what he's saying. And um, it, it, it's not a fellowship. It's not a fellowship. It's a quarrel. And, um, you know, Pastor Rich told me this morning that if you don't have divine favor, if God is not blessing a ministry Did you know that in one week we could be in such a quarrel with each other, you'd be amazed at what we could do to each other? In a week, you can't believe if God's not keeping us and giving unity of purpose and unity of the love of God, it's amazing when it gets in our hands how we could destroy each other. And that that brother or sister you look to for help, support, understanding, now it's going to be the first to point their finger at you and say, you are bad. Or I can't hardly stand you anyway. Uh, terrible thing when that takes over. And you know you're in sin. And you know you've gone away from God. I, I don't know how to say You can never be in love with God and not love the people he redeemed. You cannot love God in 1 John. If you want the verses, see me after this meeting. You cannot love a God you've not seen if you can't love a brother whom you do see. They just go together. And so you know what this church ought to be known for? They they are uh, overwhelmingly in love with God. And by the way, they'll even love you. It's the overflow of the relationship. Then he goes on. Now listen to me, this final thing. Uh, And this final thing he takes on is uh, pride had replaced reliance. Self-sufficiency had replaced divine dependence. And so now they were bold in planning all their tomorrows without God in the mix. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I am in charge. I make plans independent of God. And he said, uh-oh, wrong thinking. He gives a story. Listen, you say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say... If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And in verse 17, I don't know if it would incorporate everything he commanded or if it's in particular reference to this pride issue of about tomorrow. By the way, I'm thinking he's saying, by the way, if you don't change in this area, and do what I'm saying know that anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he's sinning. So I would see it covering all the commands, or for sure this command, presumptuous living. It's marvelous when you see people who live as though tomorrow is only a hope, but they know they may be gone before tomorrow. I see very few people who live that way. Because we're more like the rich young fool who's planning how much money we get in our uh, 401K, in our accounts, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. You know, we got all these plans out here and going to retire and do all this. Is that so? Have you ever heard of cancer? That it hits you when you don't know it's going to hit you. Carolyn's got an aunt fighting for her life, ovarian cancer. Bless her heart. She's fighting hard, but she's wearing out. Beat it once four years ago. She's come back. Doctor says, we can give you another four years. She doesn't have another four years if God doesn't intervene. Diane's going to be gone. We're going to bury her if God doesn't give her some tomorrows. The Montalango family. I mean, David is 10 years older than his wife, Teresa. He told me the other day, she told me, said, I thought I'd be burying him and taking care of him. He, he and his brothers marry us young Mexican women. Is what what she told me. They want us to take care of them. I had no idea that it was in the potter's plan for me to die in my 50s with cancer. I I. I I never knew. Now, we don't like that kind of language. It's morbid. It's a little scary. It sounds like it's not for sure I'll be here. You got it. I got it. That's the way God wants you to live, believe it or not. That every day is a gift. Every good health report's a gift. And you still might get killed like a Linda Vanoy's husband with good health. And you're gone. It's scary. The only people I ever heard use this phrase was the people my dad grew up. They are always saying, if the Lord's willing. I thought it was a cliche. I never knew it was in the Bible. Yeah, I, I didn't. I said, the Lord willing. The Lord willing. I'm, I thought, what's that? That's a nice little Christian cliche. And I said, no, they're biblical. They've been quoting James all these years. And so... Uh, It's good to think of tomorrow with trembling. See what it means? Why don't we start drawing nigh today? Why don't we start, stop, quit judging today? Why don't we start loving today? Why don't you redeem this moment, this time? Oh, I mean, it's so practical on a marriage. Every funeral I go to anymore, I think, what if it was my wife? But you know what? It makes me want to love them now. It makes me want to do the good deed now. It makes me want to obey God now. Not put off till tomorrow to say you love them, appreciate them. I watch uh, Elton and Ruth been with us all these years. God has given him such great health and strength. I'm going to love him while he's alive. I want to love you, Roscoe, while you're alive. I don't want to wait till tomorrow to say I appreciate you. Same for you, Richard, Lou. Oh, I'm telling you, you people are precious. If I thought I had to bury you tomorrow. Your worth would quadruple if I heard in the morning any of you had cancer and you had three weeks to live. Oh, the quarrel would seem small. The little stupid stuff we get rubbed about would seem small if you thought you're going to lose them. We need to value today and live today in dependence on God tomorrow. And if God gives them to you tomorrow, what will you do with them? Fight or love?
1: 9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available. Again, there are at truthfortodayradio.org.